She's there at the right there at the king, right as Gehazi is telling the story about her and her son, how God had raised him from the dead through Elisha. And so the king is like blown away. This is what you call a divine appointment. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Today, our scripture says, tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Perhaps the king of Israel's motive was nothing more than curiosity, yet it was still a significant testimony of this king. He knew that God was with the actions of Elisha. There came a time when the Shunammite woman came to make her requests at the exact time Gehazi told the king about the miracles associated with her life. This was perfect timing. God ordained timing. Remember, everything is in God's timing. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. Trained by it. Do you see what it's for now? It's to be trained You're trained by the chastening. Big difference between that and judgment. Most people will go through the chastening. God is judging me. No, he's just chastening you. If you were judged, you'd be a pile of ash. (laughs) Follow me? But he doesn't need to destroy you. In fact, he wants to bless you. As believers, he chastens us. But there's coming a day for the unbeliever that they will be judged for eternity. And we don't like to think about that, but that's the truth. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 5, it says, You know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord God chastens you. In Revelation 3, verse 19, As many as I love, he wrote to the church, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent, meaning turn away from our sins. And God would use this famine or this drought as a means to chasten his people. In Ezekiel chapter 5, verse 5, says, thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. And remember, Ezekiel's writing to Jerusalem um, many years later after the place that we're looking at now in 2 Kings 5. But God speaks to him to encourage his people and also tell them what's coming. For thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I've set her in the midst of the nations and all the countries around her. She has rebelled against my judgments by doing wickedness more than the nations and against my statutes more than the countries that are around her. For they have refused my judgments and they have not walked in my statutes. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have multiplied disobedience more than the nations that are around you, 
have not walked in my statutes, nor kept my judgments, nor even done according to the judgments of the nations that are around you. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I, even I, am against you and will execute judgments in your midst in the sight of the nations. And I will do among you what I have never done and the like of which I will never do again because of all your abominations." And then later in that same chapter, in verse 16, he says, When I send against them the terrible arrows of famine, which shall be for destruction, which I will send to destroy you, I will increase the famine upon you and cut off your supply of bread. So I will send against you famine and wild beasts, and that they will bereave you. Pestilence and blood shall pass through you, and I will bring the sword against you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And that's hard to... Listen to, isn't it? But God even chastens his people. He does. One more scripture reference here, and it's one of my favorites. It's in 1 Kings chapter 8. Remember when David had passed from the scene and Solomon had built the temple, God had given to Solomon, uh, through David, all the materials, the blueprint, all of the materials, the gold, the silver, the bronze, the wood, the colors, the fabrics, everything to build this temple. God gave to David everything because David was was a man whose hand was bloody because of all the wars that he had done. And David wanted to build a house, but he said, David, your son is going to build a house. And David's like, well, if I can't build a house, then I'm going to make everything ready for my son so that when he's old enough and he takes my place, all I've got to do is command him to do it, and he's going to do it, and everything is there. And all the workers and all the people will be there to help him build this temple. And so the time comes that the, the, the temple is finished. And so Solomon, in this big display with all the people of Israel, and I would encourage you to read the entire chapter of First Kings, but he says this in verse 37. He says, When there is famine in the land, when there is famine in the land, pestilence or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers, when their enemy besieges them in the land, God, in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people Israel, when each one knows the plague of his own heart and spreads out his hands toward this temple, then hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and give to everyone according to his ways whose heart you know. For you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men that they may fear you all the days that they live in the land which you gave to their fathers. And so here it is. Now God is allowing this famine. And unfortunately, it didn't produce repentance. But God is faithful to warn, and he's doing it here in this verse as well. And notice in verse 2, back in our text tonight, it says, The woman arose, and she did according to the saying of the man of God. And notice, she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines. And why the land of the Philistines? We know that that's the land of the enemies of God. They're a perennial enemy of God. Well, the coastal plains of the land of the Philistines were not subject to the droughts and the famines that were common among other parts of Israel that were higher in elevation. Plus, they were near the sea uh, or the Mediterranean Sea. So there there wasn't as, as, as difficult of a time in the land of the Philistines. But notice 
that now seven years pass by. Seven years. Notice what happens between verses 2 and 3. Or look at verse 3. It came to pass at the end of seven years. So, do you see what happened at the end of verse 2? There was seven years of this. And then now, the next verse goes... And at the end of the seven years, so there is a lot of things that happened in that seven years. Wouldn't you agree? Just between two verses, we have seven years that have gone by just like that. And you can put a little arrow in between verses 2 and 3, and you can write in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, the whole chapter. And many other, um, by the way, that's not the only chapter, but you can put uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, and many other events are in between those two verses. So when you read this again, when you get to chapter or verse 2 and you read at the end of chapter 2, skip over to 2 Kings chapter 6 and read all of it. And then there was some other things that happened too, which I didn't want to bog down into that, although I, I'm probably doing that now. <laughs> um, but some things happened in between those verses. Notice verse 3, it came to pass at the end of seven years. Seven years have gone by. The woman nurtured, that the woman, I'm sorry, the woman returned from the land of the Philistines. And notice what happened. She went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. Evidently, when this drought or this famine had hit the land, and, and she decided to leave with her family. And in that seven-year period, evidently, someone, an individual, or perhaps even the king of Israel himself, took ownership of that land and over that whole area. And so now she goes back to King Joram of the king of the north, and it says that then the king, verse 4, talked with Gehazi. So the king just happens to be talking with Gehazi. And remember, this event took place before 2 Kings chapter 5 because Gehazi had leprosy back in that chapter. <laughs> so it, this happened before then. The king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, and, and notice what he says. Tell me, please, all the great things that Elisha has done. And so this king that is referred to is Jehoram. Um, he reigned from 852 to 841 B.C. And I want to warn you about something that you can get really, um, it can take you by surprise. At this time in Israel's history, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom both had a king by the name of Jehoram. Sometimes you'll see Joram, it's a shortened term or shortened name for Jehoram. And guess what? They reigned at the same exact time, from 852 to 841 B.C. So as you read through this passage and, and, and you go continued, take special note of which king they're referring to. If it's the king of Judah, then you know it's the king of the south. If it's the king of, the, of Israel, it's speaking of the king, kingdom of the north. Follow me? And the Bible is very clear and makes, makes sure that you understand which Jehoram or Joram he's speaking of. Because if you don't have that understanding, these, these events are going to be like mental gymnastics for you. Okay? And so notice at the end of verse 4, she says, tell me, or he says, uh, the king does, tell me all the great things Elisha has done. Now remember who is speaking here. The king of Israel, the idolater, 
the one who worships Baal. And now he's saying, tell me all the great things that God has done in Elisha's life. Isn't that interesting? And I love this because notice the curiosity of the king concerning what God was doing in Elisha. Even though most of those around the king, including the king himself, were idolaters, there was nothing special or great going on with their idols and with their false gods. But the king wanted to know what God, notice, he wanted to know what God was doing in the life of Elisha. And now it happened, verse 5, as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was the woman, this very woman, who's coming back now after seven years being in the land of the Philistines. She comes back. She's there at the, right there at the king, right as Gehazi is telling the story about her and her son, how God had raised him from the dead through Elisha. And so the king is like blown away. This is what you call a divine appointment. A divine appointment. A divine appointment, you know, there are no coincidences with God. There are only God incidences. You follow me? And they're divine appointments. And what may seem to you as being an interesting coincidence may be a divine appointment. And divine appointments are rarely convenient for you. Rarely are they convenient for you. I remember... uh, Sometime, I think it was last year, uh, maybe in a year and a half, a year and a half now. But I, we were driving, and we were going to a store. We had to get there pretty quickly, and I it was a furniture store. Long story, but we're driving, and I forget something at home, so I got to come back, knowing that I'm kind of under the gun because we wanted to get there before they closed, and my car runs out of gas. So I'm like. I thought you loved me, God, and now this. So my car just shuts off, and I'm coasting down the ramp to, you know, and then I couldn't go anywhere. The thing just stopped, and so I, you know, I finally figured out, embarrassingly, that I wasn't keeping my eye on the gas needle. And so I call the police, they come. And wouldn't you know it, the guy who comes is a rookie cop. He's a rookie police officer, and we had this really interesting you know, talk, and I started talking to him about the Lord. And he's listening to me, and I'm encouraging him for all the work that he does, and how they, 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 very, they very seldom do they get thank yous. Very seldom do they get somebody telling them, you know, thank you for what you do. You know, you put your life on the line just by pulling somebody over in the, in the, on the highway. You know, because my parent, my whole family was in law enforcement. So I'm very thankful for what he does. So we had this great conversation, and it turned salty, and I was able to share with him the Lord. And I thought to myself, this was a divine appointment. I didn't know it at the time. I, I saw my inconvenience of running out of gas as just a big drag, and little did I realize that God was creating a divine appointment, and it was not convenient for me. And that's okay, because if I belong to him, doesn't he have the right to intervene if, I, if I'm willing? And sometimes even if I'm not willing, he has the right to intervene if I'll see it. Has that happened to you? So many times, our, our own divine appointments come when we are completely unaware, and that's why it's called a divine appointment. I didn't plan it, God did. But be open to those things in your life and begin to recognize these opportunities and capitalize on them for the kingdom of God. When you run into those things like that, could it be that God has got a divine appointment waiting for you, and are you open to see it? I wasn't initially open to see it, but as I started talking, the light bulb went off, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm in this, and I'm going to give this guy the full gospel. 
<laughs> you know, because I knew that this, there was a reason for this. So God's going to make sure, he's going to make sure to bless this dear woman who had blessed Elisha. I mean, think of it, they, they spent money to build an addition onto their house so that when he came by, he could have a place to stay. And now in her need, as she's coming back from this drought after seven years, she just wants her house and her land back. And as she's walking to the king, there's the king talking to Gehazi, Elisha's servant, telling him everything. A divine appointment. It can't get any more divine than that. That that was no coincidence. That was a God incidence. That was a divine appointment. So verse 6, and when the king asked the woman, so he's like, did this really happen to your son? Yeah, here he is. Look at him. And the kid could tell you, yeah, I had a pain in my, in my head and I ran out from the field and I went up to my mom's lap and I died. And I woke up and there was Elisha looking at me. The Lord brought me back to the life, brought back to life. He used me, used him to touch my life. So when the king asked the woman, she told him, and so the king appointed a certain officer. Notice how good God is. And remember, all of this is happening through a pagan idol-worshipping king, Jehoram, or Joram. He's doing this for this woman. Did God really do that to you? And here he is given her not only her land and her, her house back, but all, of the, all the proceeds from the land. I, I don't know how he did this, but he, he gave her back uh, all the, the, the vintage of those seven years. He multiplied that to her somehow and gave her those things. So she was doing really good. What an amazing thing. Do you think God loves and cares for those who care for others? He does. Here's a great example of God just being generous to the generous person. You know, are you a generous person? Are you the kind of person that, 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 that has a giving heart? Don't ever underestimate what God may do in your life because sometimes when you give, God's like, you're not going to outgive me because I want you to bless somebody else. And when you do, I've got blessings for you. No, I don't want to get onto some kind of trip like they do in the televangelist saying, you just drop, you know, $100 in the plate tonight in cash. Actually, 250s would be good. And next week, you'll get a check for $10,000. And plus, we'll throw in a hanky that I use for my forehead. We'll put that in with the, you know, and you'll, you'll get that in the mail. No, that's not what I'm talking about. The blessing, you may get it on this earth. You may just have the satisfaction of being used by God, which to me is reward enough. Have you ever given somebody something and it really blessed them and it was like, oh my gosh, totally unexpected and they're just like blown away? Isn't that a good feeling? That's why Jesus said it is better to give than to receive. And that's a good thing to consider as we come upon the Christmas season. Everyone, so, you know, many people, not everybody, but many are thinking, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? You know, and rather, as a Christian, we got to say, what can I do to give? And not worry about myself, but what can I give? Jesus wasn't worried about what he could get out of it. He gave everything, he gave his life. But he gained a bride that he's going to present spotless to his father. How's that? That's what he gained. 
So notice, after verse 6 here, the events of 2 Kings chapter 5 took place. And that was when Naaman's leprosy was healed and Gehazi's greed was exposed. So immediately after, uh, after verse 6 here, uh, the events of 2 Kings chapter 5 took place. So, so notice in verse 7, now it says, The death of Ben-Hadad. Now remember, Ben-Hadad is a title. It's not the name. His first name is not Ben, and his second name is not Hadad. Hadad was the name of their god. It was an idol. It was an idol of, of, the, of the Gentiles. Hadad. So Ben means the son of Hadad. And so it, it's a title. And there were at least uh, some uh, scholars say that there may have been three different men who were titled with Ben-Hadad of Syria. And um, I won't get into the minutiae of that because it's, it's not really edifying, but it, it is interesting. So Ben-Hadad, the, the, the son of Hadad, which is their false god. So Elisha, notice, he went to Damascus. We don't know why he went to Damascus. And notice, Ben-Hadad, king of, of Syria, was sick, and it was told him, saying, the man of God has come here. And so Ben-Hadad has, has heard about him. Remember, um, uh, Elisha healed Naaman, Ben-Hadad's servant, right? Um, if it's the same Ben-Hadad, we don't know, but it, it, the captain of his guard, he remembers that. And certainly, even if he was his son, he remembers that event happening, and it was told him, saying, the man of God has come here. He's here in Damascus. And so the king said to Hazael, take a present in your hand and go to meet the man of God. And inquire, notice, I would have you underline this in verse 8. He says, and inquire of the Lord. Underline the word Lord because that is very significant. Because that word literally means in the Hebrew, Yahweh or Jehovah. So basically what this pagan king this pagan Gentile king, what he's really saying is, take a present in your hand and go ask him, saying, shall I recover from this disease? I've heard about what you did for Naaman, and I remember that. Now I'm the one in need. Would you please pray to Jehovah, inquire of your God, not my God, because I've been sitting around here with all these magicians and all these guys who are on my payroll, and they're nothing but a bunch of deadbeats. They're lead weights, and nothing is happening. They've, they've cut themselves. They've tried to do all these things, trying to get me to get well, and nothing's happening. But now, huh, I want to find out what the Lord, Jehovah, I want to find out what he can do. Inquire of him, would you please? And don't go empty-handed, Hazael. Take 40, notice. <laughs> Take with you 40 camel loads. Forty camel loads. So Hazael went to meet him and took a present with him of every good thing of Damascus. Forty camel loads. That's a lot of stuff, folks. That's a lot of spices. That's a lot of uh, uh, sausages. I'm only kidding here. But, you know, that's a lot of stuff that he's bringing to the man of God. And he came and he stood before him and he said, Your son, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, has sent me to you, saying, Shall I recover from this disease? Notice what Hazael is saying. He's coming to this Israeli prophet and saying, your son, Ben-Hadad. He's appealing to this prophet. Maybe buttering him up, I don't really know. But he, look who's in control now. Is it Ben-Hadad, the great king of Syria? Or is it this humble man from Israel, this prophet? 
Your son, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, has sent me to you saying, shall I recover from this disease? And isn't it interesting that when people are near death, all of their idols, their false crutches, they come to nothing. And they ultimately come to the feet of Jesus, many of them. Some don't. Some die angry and, and fearful. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.